Welcome to Don't Let This Flop, a podcast about internet culture brought to you by Rolling Stone. Where two smart people talk about the dumbest shit that happened online this week. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm EJ Dixon. So the internet, it's full of horrible hacks and EJ and I can't help but be grotesquely curious about trying some of them. So this week we decided to introduce a new segment called Flop or Not. Flop. Where we try some of these and give our honest reviews. <laughs> and there's no <laughs> sound of dread from EJ is because the excuse that we're using <laughs> to launch this segment is a current drink trend that has taken over TikTok and Twitter right now. And it is the healthy Coke trend. And this is created by someone named Mandy Jones, who posted a video last week where she explained that her Pilates instructor, someone I would simply never take advice from on <laughs> anything tasting good, makes this fake healthy Coke every single day. So do you like a splash? of balsamic vinegar with ice in a cup and then take any sparkling beverage like I'm picking LaCroix and it could be any flavor this one's the guava it's like the summer flavor okay and now you're gonna mix it together see it honestly already looks like a coke but I swear to god it tastes like a coke I have seen a lot of videos where people keep testing it out and many, many people disagree with her. So yes, this sinful mixture does look like Coke. EJ and I have poured ourselves a glass. I'm not going to refute the fact that it does look like the color of Coca-Cola, but many have said that it just tastes like sparkling vinegar. So even seltzer brands like Spindrift have gotten into the trend with their social media person on their account saying it tastes like kombucha. LaCroix promoted their cola-flavored LaCroix, which honestly sounds amazing. LaCroix, if your people are listening, send us cases and I would love to try it because that sounds delicious. And only one of my friends have tried it so far. And when I saw her a few days later, she said that her idea of like why people think this tastes like Coke is they may have had their taste buds fucked up from COVID, which is honestly a very good theory, I think. But we're going to test this out today. So I've never had COVID, but I also have a high tolerance for eating and drinking disgusting things. But I will say that the smell of the balsamic vinegar did make me gag. EJ, you've had COVID and you're also very pregnant. So I'm not sure if that affects, like, I know there's like a thing with like having weird cravings and stuff, but like, I don't know if that affects your taste buds at all. No, I still like to taste good things and not like to taste bad things. (laughs) (laughs) I chose to use what I had in my refrigerator, which is a passion fruit flavored LaCroix in my balsamic vinegar. Are you using plain seltzer, EJ? Are you using? I only had Schweppes plain seltzer. We're not a LaCroix household. We're a Schweppes household. There was also theories that like, this will be good because I've heard and seen theories that it may be different if it's like flavored so let's test it out okay all right are you ready to let sip? me just grab this oh fucking god it looks like <laughs> gin- it looks like ginger somebody like took a shit in ginger ale it looks awful <laughs> oh my god okay. okay all right on the count of three one two two Three. No, this is vinegar Schweppes. This is vinegar Schweppes. That's disgusting. Wait, actually, okay, I'm going to try again. (laughs) It doesn't taste like Coke. I'm going to finish this, but I'm not happy. You're going to finish it? I'm going to drink. I'm not wasting a can of seltzer. You're going to drink the whole thing? 
Yeah, I am. Here's what I'll say. So when you first smell it, there's the shock of like, oh, I'm drinking a salad, right? Like it's it tastes like kombucha. The, the spindrift people are right. It tastes like kombucha. It tastes a little bit like kombucha. It tastes like Coke when you're a Pilates instructor and probably haven't tasted anything good or with <laughs> sugar in like five to 10 years. Yeah, it tastes like Coke without the sugar. I think that's a good way of putting it. I don't think it tastes like Coke without, the, I think it tastes like kombucha. It's not that bad, but I don't want to drink the whole thing. I guess I, I will. I'm going to finish this because I feel like I've wasted now my balsamic vinegar and my my seltzer and again like i said i have a very high tolerance for disgusting things and it's not awful i like the clinking in the background it's like you're making an asmr video it's like, yeah i am it's important <laughs> for you to hear i'm using my metal straw for the environment and <laughs> drinking my um vinegar seltzer my acrylic nails i have should i uh, put them yeah, against the thing tap it i, I want to get some of that asmr frizzone it's like kind of working yeah to be quite honest <laughs> Should I do ASMR? Is this kind of fun? You should absolutely do ASMR. I can't talk quiet enough to do ASMR. <laughs> it would just be the ASMR is me screaming into a microphone and then clanking my acrylic nails against things. Should we do the whole episode in ASMR boy? <laughs> like I said, I can't I can't get down that low vocally. So, the tone so- just doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> How are we rating this? Is this I a would flop say this or is, is it not? A, a flop because it doesn't taste like Coke. I cannot see how anyone would convince themselves that it tastes like Coke again unless they haven't had sugar in many years. I had a crisp can of Coca-Cola on my way home on Friday night after I went to go watch movies at a friend's and it was the most delicious thing I've ever had in my entire life. So nothing does not compare. So it's a flop. I would say it's not a flop. I'm still drinking it. I said I wasn't going to keep drinking it. I'm still reaching for it and drinking it. I mean, my rating is on whether or not it tastes like Coke. My rating is whether or not it's drinkable, and I do think it's drinkable. I'm still I'm still drinking mine, too. So I guess it's not a flop in terms of <laughs> EJ and I being weird and finishing this. Oh, God, it still smells like a salad. Ugh. Yeah, it's like a little weird. It's like, what are the benefits of me drinking just like raw dogging some like balsamic vinegar in seltzer? Is it like, what's it going to do? Well, the benefits for our listeners is that they get some nice ASMR from you and your mic. The, I'll do the segue for moral panic yeah. in ASMR voice. Okay, so use your acrylics because my nails aren't long enough. Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> that like totally works on me. <laughs> I'm such a fucking sucker for ASMR. It, it's like, all, it all works on me. Okay. Welcome to Moral Panic, the segment where we discuss the latest hoax that right-wingers are freaking out about. Out of all the moral panics, I love nothing more than a good human trafficking hoax. <laughs> that took me out. Not you saying human trafficking in ASMR voice. Yeah. <laughs> Who is that soothing for, EJ? <laughs> yeah, that's what the Polaris Project should have on their website. Just like a... <laughs> Human if you're a survivor of human traffic, <laughs> <laughs> it's just someone sucking a pickle in the background. Like, <laughs> the answers can be found in the MTV video games. Welcome to Moral Panic, the segment where we discuss the latest hoax that right wingers are freaking out about. <laughs> As I was saying, I was, as I was whispering before, out of all the moral panics, I love nothing more than a good human trafficking hoax. That's like my favorite genre of content. I've done a bunch of reporting on it. Human trafficking is a very real and very serious issue, despite the fact that we just used it for ASMR porn. But it's also like very widely misunderstood. Like, what do you think of when you think of human trafficking? 
Brittany? I don't know. <laughs> Is that term? a trick question? Is that- I don't know. Like. <laughs> It sounded like a trick question, EJ. It's not a trick question. It's not a trick question. This is not. I'm not Z-Way. I don't know. I don't think of anything except for the the horrific act of human trafficking. Like I don't know. Well, I mean, my point is like I, I think I think a lot of people think it. Ha- it's like Taken. They think of Taken, which is an amazing movie. Yeah, but that's not how the majority of human trafficking cases work. Like it's not hot white girls like just getting plucked off the street by shadowy Albanian abductors while Liam Neeson like threatens them in a hissamar voice. I will find you. And I will kill you. It's mostly like people who know their traffickers. They're either their relatives or friends or partners or employers. But the but that hasn't stopped people on the right from sort of co-opting human trafficking and adapting it to their own ends and making up moral panics about it, basically, full whole cloth. So the latest moral panic that centers around human trafficking centers around Sheehan. Brittany, would you like to explain, do the honors of explaining what Sheehan is to those not familiar? Yeah, I mean, I'm not proud of how many items from Sheehan I personally own, but you know what? I'm fat and it's hard to shop when you're fat and also buy a lot of clothes that are plus size. And unfortunately, I have a lot of clothes from this fast fashion website that is basically just like a bunch of $10 or less crop tops and dresses. It is horrible quality. I don't condone shopping from there, but yet I do. Yeah, so do I. They have a a wider range of sizes than a lot of places and they have a huge variety of stuff. Obviously, a lot of it's ripoffs of other brands and other kind of whatever. They sell like household items. Like it's kind of a crazy website in terms of the volume of stuff that they sell and And the worst aspect of Shein culture in the way that it works is that people tend, because it's so cheap, people tend to have these like gigantic haul videos where they're buying like, like $400, $500 worth of Shein clothing. That's been a recurrent controversy around people who shop from Shein is like how they buy in bulk, like it's Costco. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big part of the discourse on TikTok. Like there is the hall culture. And then there's also the response to that, which is people saying, oh, we should be boycotting fast fashion because it's made under horribly unethical circumstances and it's bad for the environment, all of which is true. But for a lot of people like Brittany and I, that's kind of just something you shunt to the side of your brain till the next time you want to like buy something for festival season or whatever. Like it's not a good part of our culture. Yes. And also, again, as like a plus size person, like I also more ethical brands should be carrying plus sizes. It would be a lot easier for those of us who would rather not constantly shop at Shein to buy clothes. Lately, the Shein discourse has been getting like a lot darker, though, than that, because there are these videos on TikTok that are circulating alleging that Shein employees have been printing the words help me into the clothing. In some of these photos that have been circulating, it's not on the tag. Like some versions of these videos say that people are writing help me on printing labels or just like slipping a note in the package. In one of the photos that's been circulating, it's someone saying kind of hilariously, I have dental pain. It's not clear from the actual images whether they are on Shein clothes. And in one of the photos that's gone viral recently, it's the it's not someone is saying that it says need help, but it's not actually saying need help. It's in the context of a set of washing directions where it says due to the water saving technology, need help washing with the soft detergent at the first time to make the goods softer. So just like a just a weird, wacky translation. But like as we've learned countless times throughout this segment, like context and nuance do not stop people from getting a combined tens of millions of views on videos claiming that Shein is trafficking workers en masse. Hey y'all, so y'all know, y'all heard about that Shein stuff where Shein is like, 
overworking their employees, I guess. And on the clothes, it say need your help and stuff. So this has been kind of debunked already. Snopes did a debunk and they found that most of these tags that people are putting in these videos aren't actually about Shein. Like the, the note that I was talking about earlier, the help me please note, that was from a local news story in Michigan in 2015 about a manufacturer from the Philippines that sold underwear. The I have dental pain note is a meme source from Reddit. A lot of these examples aren't real and the ones that are, they're not from Shein. So there's basically no evidence to suggest that this is happening. And it's gotten so bad that Shein itself issued a statement on TikTok in response to it. They said Shein takes supply chain matters seriously. Our strict code of conduct includes policies against child and forced labor, and we do not tolerate noncompliance. But that hasn't really stopped people from being highly skeptical. People are saying this doesn't sound right. They're asking to see Shein's warehouses. And they're even comparing it to the Wayfair trafficking hoax, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you remember that. It I do remember. The summer of 2020, when people were claiming that children were being smuggled inside of Wayfair shipping containers. Yeah. Again, this took place on TikTok. Again, totally baseless. And it played a huge role in kind of spawning this whole trafficking moral panic that we saw with the Save the Children movement in 2020, which kind of became inextricably linked to the far-right QAnon movement. And also, like, if you spend a lot of time on TikTok, it's gotten to the point where trafficking rumors have become, like, so common that they're just sort of normalized. Like, the last one I saw that I remember was this idea that young mothers were being trafficked en masse by people posting ads for car seats on Craigslist or leaving them on the, on the side of the road. And that type of shit pops up, like, at least once a month on TikTok at this point. And there's never like any evidence to support it. And I want to be clear, like we're not giving Shein a pass here. Like I think that it's more likely than not that Shein factory employees are have deplorable working conditions. Like that's the crux of the fast fashion industry. Like it produces at such an alarming rate and at such a high volume, as you were saying before, that it's like basically impossible for workers to be treated ethically. And there's evidence to support this. The business of fashion did a big report last year finding they looked at a bunch of manufacturers for Shein clothes and they found that Shein employees worked 12 to 14 hour days. They were working in windowless rooms with no fire exits. They didn't get any vacations. And Shein basically said in response, to this report the same thing like it takes all supply chain matters seriously and that would initiate it would initiate an investigation of the manufacturers in questions like I don't know if it did but they certainly deserve a lot of scrutiny but that's not what is going on right now like what's going on right now is people are conflating legitimate labor issues with human trafficking which is a widely misunderstood and, and very fraud issue and there's no evidence to suggest that Shein is enslaving people against their will or forcing people to work there are you going to continue buying Shein? Do you think, like, knowing this? I mean, like, a lot of this was already known, but I've already been trying to, like, wean myself off of looking at Shein exclusively. It's just hard when, you know, like, it's, again, like, looking for extended sizes and stuff is already difficult. Looking for affordable stuff in extended sizes is, like, insane. Like, it's either fast fashion or, like, high really high price places. And even those have like limited range of extended sizes too. So that's an extra complication on top of the fast fashion conversation that goes like well beyond it, but it makes it even more complicated, I think, for a lot of plus size consumers who want to shop ethically, but like can't always afford to shop ethically or have the resources to do that. I probably won't be buying it because I bought a swimsuit for $15 and the boob pad fell into the waist and I wore it this weekend and everyone made fun of me. That's a shame. So not for an ethical shame. reason, just for shame <laughs> reason. Because the boob pad didn't stay in place. Yes. <laughs> 
Exactly. Straight <laughs> people. Welcome to Straight People, our segment where we discuss the comings and goings of heterosexuals all over the internet. Today, we've got a doubleheader. And to start it off, I, I'm... This doubleheader is really, part of it is very indulgent for me because I want to have this excuse to talk about Love Island. So over the last few years, summer has meant really just the one thing to me, which is the return of Love Island. It is the Olympic Games of dating competition series. It's on every single night in the UK, literally seven days a week, and has become a massive phenomenon outside of that country. So much so that there are now Love Island incarnations in various other places like Australia and the US. So... EJ has never seen Love Island, so I will explain for her and everyone who doesn't want to commit to nearly 50 episodes of television every summer what it is and how it works. EJ, please ask me questions you may have along the way. I'm looking at the link that you put on top that said EJ yeah. used these picks for reference and caps lock, so I'm doing that as you talk, just so I have context. So the picks that EJ is looking at are of the contestants that I'm going to be talking about, which is important, but first let me get to the structure of the show, which is very crucial. So the gist of the show is that over the course of eight weeks, nearly 40 extremely hot singles must find ways to stay partnered in order to eventually win the public's hearts and the 50 grand final prize. So of course, there are not 40 singles in the villa at once. There are usually about like five to seven couples floating around and like living in the like actual house together. And of course, there's always like a couple extra like singles also floating around the house too on top of that. So you may be wondering how much can be happening daily that these constantly surveilled hot singles are on ITV for seven hours every week. (laughs) It is, in fact, dating Groundhog Day in the villa. They all wake up. They cook breakfast in the outdoor kitchen. They lounge by the pool. They work out. They eventually change into club outfits to continue sitting outside. And then they go to sleep in the mega bedroom that they all share. I I cannot stress or explain how wildly entertaining it is to watch the show. I eat it up every single summer. It is just, it flies by. And unlike a lot of American reality shows, they aren't shit-faced every second, which kind of like makes it a little bit more enjoyable to watch. Like, I think that's sort of been the big part of dating shows and American reality television, which is the idea that these people are aggressively drunk and fighting each other constantly. This show is literally just hot people in bikinis or shirtless, just like sitting and drinking water, being aggressively hydrated. And they're just like being passive aggressive, hot idiots to each other. Flirting. How do they find people this hot? There's not a single token uggo on here. So it's kind of funny because... There actually is usually a token uggo on here, but (laughs) a lot of the people kind of have pretty normal jobs. They just happen to have had like a lot of plastic surgery or a lot of fake tanner and like are just kind of hot. And there's like nurses and doctors and bartenders and like teachers. And there's like a lot of people who have random normal jobs before they get into the villa. It was actually pretty. There's not like a lot of like models and influencers on there. So there are already a bunch of controversies around the season. The first big twist of the season was kind of already kind of starting a lot of the controversy, which is that the initial coupling with the first contestants we meet on the first episode was not happening the same way it's happened in past seasons. So usually it's this dance of like the men pick the women that they're going to couple up with in the first episode. It's like a whole thing. There's like, it's just, it feels like a weird mating ritual that you're watching. However, this season, they did not do that. They had the UK public do a vote and choose who couples up with who 
a couple days before the show aired. Unfortunately, the UK is quite racist, and that has been a huge downside for viewers of the show for many, many seasons now. The public has often largely been in favor of the white couples on the show, especially during the vote for the winner. And a few dark-skinned Black Islanders who have been on the show are often chosen last or left single very, very early on, especially the women. The women tend to get, like, the worst treatment on the show. The Black women on the show have gotten horrendous treatment. I have regularly witnessed that the hottest women on the show, who are almost always the Black women on the show, be completely ignored by every single man in the villa in favor of skinny blonde models with fake tans. It's it's honestly upsetting every single time. So with this season, there were four Black Islanders introduced on the very first day. Two men, two women. And of course, the public voted to pair them up with each other. Surprise, surprise. India, who is definitively the hottest in the villa by far, rolled her eyes when it happened. And the viewers are pretty pissed. They are entering week two and there are growing frustrations about how little we've even seen the four Black Islanders on the season. There's actually been a fifth one introduced, but she's also hasn't gotten that much airtime since, since she's been left single. This is a bigger problem in reality TV in general. This is, yeah. And it's been a pretty consistent complaint about Love Island UK, though, is just how little like representation already existed on the show. And you're probably wondering, like, what is taking up the rest of the airtime? Like, that's half of the people who are on the show right now. It is a nepotism teen, of course, who is taking up all this time. We have 19-year-old Gemma Owen, who is the daughter of a famous UK footballer. I have no idea who this is, but apparently he's a big deal in the UK. Who cares? (laughs) Yeah, right. And she has been the subject of all the episodes so far. So when they introduced the first new Islander, they had the, they brought in, they had everyone coupled up and they brought in a new person. His name is Davide. He's from Italy. He has the strongest Italian accent I have ever heard. Like They call me either the Italian stallion or the Greek god. I personally like both of them. (laughs) I now understand Jared Leto's House of Gucci accent. Like, it is, like, the strongest Italian accent. He's also extremely hot, and he sucks, though, but it's just the whole thing. I'm not going to get into the politics of Davide, but he was sort of the first single guy brought into the house to, like, shake up the coupling. So he was able to choose the girl that he wanted to couple up with, leaving one of the men single. Gemma had been paired with the very sweet Liam, who the public had matched her with, and also the closest in age to her. He's 22, Gemma, again, 19. And then Davide came in and immediately went for Gemma. So Davide is 27, and this has led to an outrage, like just a full-on outpouring of just like anger from fans of the show who have written a bunch of think pieces and angry tweets about the fact that Davide, 27, is paired with Gemma, 19. They have pointed out that this age gap feels like really awful. They just, it's been like a whole controversy about this. And just to point out, Gemma is not the first teenage islander on the show. The age range is typically falling between 2021 to like 27, 28. They don't go above 29. And it's also, it has been very rare to have someone under the age of 21 on the show. Like 20, sometimes they did have someone who was as young as 18 in one of the first seasons of the show. But it's been a while since they've had someone who is an actual teenager on the series. People are also pretty upset about the focus that it's having on this one character in the way that past seasons have not had. So I'm kind of concerned that the show is having this laser focus on Gemma because she's kind of boring and she's a little cruel to people. She's a little, I found her a little mean towards the very sweet Liam who was trying really hard to make it work with her. And I don't know, I'm a little worried this is the year that Love Island jumps the shark. I'm not going to lose hope just yet. Can I read a quote from Davide in the link that you gave me? He said, I'm good looking and I've realized since I first arrived in Manchester, a lot of English girls actually love me. They love to be around me and I love to be around them. 
It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I think that's a great quote. It's simple. I, th- I think it's powerful. Davide is <laughs> really full of himself. He is very hot, but he's very full of himself. And it's like, it's very unattractive. But he's also, he's very hot. So I don't know. Jury's out on Davide. But he's now paired with uh, my new favorite person on the show, who is Ekin Su. And she is a Turkish soap opera star and immediately just stirred up drama. Like she's been so entertaining so far. Like from horny British nepotism babies to the most famous <laughs> mass insemination fetishist in the world. These all have the combination of like a light breeder kink between the two straight people stories we've chosen today. <laughs> I am referring, of course, to Nick Cannon, who is basically only in the news cycle at this point due to how many women he has come in over the past few years. Can I say that? I'm just going to say yeah, it. Yeah, say it. Like, I don't know if he's releasing music or like writing. But I know that he's on The Masked Singer, like intellectually. And I have no doubt like he works very hard doing that like whatever it is that he that his chosen vocation is but it's hard not to get the impression at this point that his vocation is not just coming in ladies at, <laughs> right now like it just seems like that's what he's doing professionally and he's doing a very good job at it honestly he's already the soon-to-be father of eight kids we found this out last week on the lip service podcast he was responding to rumors that he was expecting three more kids this year and this is what he said it says you have three babies on the way is that true or false well when you say on the way <laughs> <laughs> You know what? God damn it, Nick. What, what count you at? I'm a, let's just put it on this the way. way. They're on not the here way. yet. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and they they're coming. A, they're so the stork is on the way. The stork has the package? Yes, there's... there's, there's God damn three. I don't, I don't know. know. It could be... Uh, you know, with this... <laughs> Nah, I'll, this is what I said. If you thought the numbers I uh, put up in 2021 was... <laughs> wait, wait till, wait till, till we get to <laughs> I was trying to do the math of like, who mothered who honestly like it took me back to like my PSAT prep years he's got twins with Mariah Carey so that's two he's got two kids with his ex Brittany Bell that's four he had twins last year with Abby De La Rosa that's six and he announced he was expecting with model Brittiesi in January of this year see okay when twins run in the family just stop just stop fucking without a condom if your twins run in the family because twins do run in my family and I cannot think of a case against like having children more than like the fact that twins already exist in my family so like imagine willfully continuing to have children with nick cannon who is just batting a thousand with giving you twins that's what i'm saying it's giving noah's ark i want to touch on the fact that nick also had another baby zen with model Alyssa scott and that baby was diagnosed with a brain tumor and died last year which was absolutely devastating it appears to have been devastating for nick he has spoken about zen's death quite movingly But he's also talked about it really weirdly, like on that same podcast where he revealed he was having more kids. He claims that he tried to be celibate for a while and it was actually the loss of his son that prompted him to break that. He said, the thing is, everybody saw I was so down and they were like, just give him a little vagina and that's going to cure it all. I fell victim to it because I was in a weak state. And that's like pretty fucking jarring to hear him making light of the death of like his five month old son in that con and the mother. I mean, Jesus, like how much like the mom must have felt horrible hearing that. And uh, like, of course, it's no one's business what he does in his own personal sex life. Like plenty of stars have tons of sex with multiple women. If this is consensual, then like, who are we to cast judgment on it? But it's also like it's hard not to see how he sees this as a branding opportunity of sorts. Like he's constantly joking about it. Did you see the ad he did for Ryan Reynolds gin brand? I did not see that. For Father's Day. So he showed people how to make a cocktail called the vasectomy. It's almost Father's Day. 
and the one and only Ryan Reynolds asked me to help us all celebrate with the mother of all cocktails, the vasectomy. Lord knows I need one. He like okay. loves joking about getting a vasectomy. Like this is his thing now. Yeah. And like the quest, the million dollar question for me is why is he doing this? And my theory is that he has a mass insemination fetish. He's got a breeder king. Probably. I think almost certainly. Like this is not an uncommon thing, especially like among powerful men. I remember reporting on this a couple years ago after Jeffrey Epstein like allegedly had the scheme to use his New Mexico ranch as a base where women would be inseminated with his sperm and he would give birth to they would give birth to his babies. Like I also reported on the Nexium sex cult trial and we, we've talked about Nexium on the podcast before. And a lot of the testimony was about how Keith Raniere, who was the leader of Nexium, wanted to do the same thing. And so this has been like a recurring theme in my career, weirdly, like guys coming everywhere. That's why I'm and, surprised that you had not heard about the Target bathroom mass inseminator before. Yeah. OK, so explain who the Target bathroom mass inseminator is, because I think everyone needs to know. So, I mean, basically, it's just this guy who donated his sperm to a lot of women who were looking to get pregnant. And he had like hundreds of kids. Basically, he had given his sperm to like a lot of women. And sometimes he did the sperm deposit and exchange in the bathroom of the Atlantic Avenue Target, which, if you have ever been there, is already very cursed. Wouldn't even go there in an emergency to use the bathroom, let alone... I, I have gone there in an emergency to use the bathroom, and it's, it is very cursed. It's deeply, deeply cursed. Because it, it's, like, also right next to a DMV. It's, like, in a mall that has a DMV in it. Like, you know that's already going to be chaos. And that's the Target bathroom inseminator. But, Brittany, you're burying the lead here, which, when you sent that story to me, I was stunned that he was hot. Yeah, I mean, like, that's like, you know, I feel like that's what people that's the bias of people who like want to use someone else's sperm. Like, obviously, they want the person to be like hot and cool and successful. And that but guy do you seems think like he had like a I feel like he was like the the prime candidate for giving everyone his sperm. But on paper, would you think that a hot person would spend his time giving people sperm in the Target bathroom on Atlantic Avenue? If he's getting paid for it. Yeah. I, it doesn't seem like something hot people do. It makes sense that hot people would want to go on Love Island and like give away their sperm for free. Yeah. But like, I don't, I don't know. This is a different yeah, But he this probably had vibe. like a mass inseminator, like breeder kink. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of this, and it's, it's like, like a lot less dangerous, like sexually to do that when people and when it's like a financial exchange instead of like having sex with like hundreds of, of women without a condom and impregnating them like I feel and like it's, it's consensual which is it's consensual and again like it's a, it's a transaction and so you're not going through like a third party of like a sperm bank like he's getting the money directly like it's a business strategy at that point I, the problem i think with this is when it becomes non-consensual which it has like it, with the netflix documentary our father which is about this fertility doctor who mass inseminated his patients without their knowledge or consent that's a really fucked up thing to do like clearly this fetish like a lot of it is based on power when some of these cases like with Epstein in particular it was based on some pretty fucked up ideas about eugenics and genetic purity but I think at the end of the day it's just plain narcissism like and that's harmless when consent is involved it's just it's so weird to see like the guy who is like the cute little stand-up comic on Nickelodeon like becoming known for blowing his super sperm and like a parade of ladies <laughs> That's exactly what he's doing. Am I wrong? <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. <laughs> 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So it seems like every few days a new type of girl drops. Hot girl, e-girl, clean girl, visco girl, that girl. But the one capturing the minds and hearts of many looking to have the most chaotic summer possible Well, it's none other than the Feral Girl. So Feral Girl Summer first floated around on Twitter a few years ago, a bit of a response to the hot girl summer phenomenon coined by Megan Thee Stallion. It's never quite taken off. There are certainly no songs named after it. That was until a TikTok creator and EDM enthusiast in DC named Molly took to TikTok to proclaim her Feral Girl Summer plan and make it a huge part of her TikTok branding. Molly's version of Feral Girl Summer is more focused on the feral club rats, raging to house music until 7 a.m., surviving off of vodka sodas, completely basic but liberating weekend club rat chaos. It's a platform I can get behind for sure and have done. I don't know if you haven't heard yet, but let me put you on the wave. This summer and spring, the theme is feral. It is going to be a feral girl summer, bitch. I am feeling some fucking chaotic energy for the spring and summer. I think we all deserve it. So it is time to prep for this shit. So the term has escalated from there. Feral Girl Summer has taken on a life of its own, meaning different things to every girly who claims it online. At its core, however, Feral Girl Summer is about indulging your most base level primal instincts. Fuck everyone you want to fuck. I mean, Nick Cannon is already living by this. Spend (laughs) all your money on hot outfits. Eat whatever you'd like. Stay up all night. Sleep all day. Buy a ticket to a festival. Fly around the world. Live life to the fullest. It's a sweetly unrealistic case to do whatever the fuck you want after a couple summers where the options to do anything were either limited or non-existent. It feels like a radical rebuke to youth lost in the last few years by the especially young kids who are claiming feral girl summer. So like every new quote unquote girl that drops out of thin air, there's been some light discourse. Hoda Kopi and Jenna Bush Hager discussed the term on the Today Show with Rebel Wilson, who put them on. One article mused that the term is actually just as limiting to women as the ones that overvalue self-optimization, like the very whitewash clean girl aesthetic, which is essentially just this idea of a very like natural makeup look where you kind of look like you just got out of the shower, slick back bun and like white linen clothes and the perfection aspiring that girl aesthetic, which is the idea that you get up at seven in the morning and drink healthy Coke with your Pilates instructor, which by the way, I am still drinking my healthy Coke. Good for you. So today we decided to have a conversation with Molly about helping popularize the term on TikTok, what the true definition of feral girl summer is, and whether or not her June is starting to live up to her winter hopes and dreams for these months. So when did you first join TikTok and how would you describe most of your content? Okay, so I first joined TikTok um, during quarantine and that's when I started. I was just watching it, scrolling through and I started making and posting like jokes here and there. And then I started posting more about going to the club and going out with my friends. And that was when um, quarantine was lifted and when everyone just kind of started going a little a little wild, a little feral when we were able to go out again. And that's kind of what picked off and what I noticed a lot of people kind of related to or thought was funny and liked to watch. So that's how my TikTok kind of morphed into more of a club rat platform. <laughs> In college, always 
was someone like love a good night out, liked a good bar night. I started going to the clubs more when things opened when I moved back home in Boston because I met some people who were really in to the house music scene. And I've always liked um, house music and I just started getting really into it when I started going to the club and started going to shows. The term feral girl summer has kind of floated around on social media for a few years, but you've really carved a specific niche for it on your page. So how do you officially define a feral girl summer? It was so funny how it just really took off. So I think being a feral, like feral girl summer, I kind of started it as something where I just wanted to remind people that, you know, you're allowed to have fun. Life doesn't have to fit this perfect mold that we see a lot of other influencers try to try to port- um, portray and describe. Like, it's okay to look a little bit messy. It's okay to, like, be yourself and just be feral. <laughs> like, I guess it's more it's more just, like, being who you are, not caring as much what people think about you and enjoying your time. It's not even, it, there's not like a specific definition. I think it could be different for everybody and what they're comfortable with. Like, like for me, I say like, oh, I like to get feral going to the club because that's where I feel like I can like be myself, go out and dance and listen to music and like have a few drinks. I think for other people too, it's being feral or like being their most authentic self can be stuff like going on hikes, doing things that just make them feel the most themselves without worrying about judgment from others or trying to fit a certain mold. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned the more kind of refined aesthetics that sort of take off on TikTok. Like I, the clean girl aesthetic is really big right now. And there there was, of course, the that girl aesthetic kind of built on the idea that, you know, that girl like wakes up at 5 a.m. and like drinks green juice and like goes to yoga every day. Yeah. Like, um, how do you see those and Feral Girl Summer in context with each other like do you feel like they're opposing ideals or do you think they kind of coexist in a way i think they can coexist i've like i've made a few videos talking about those trends the clean girl aesthetic and the bad girl aesthetic how it makes me feel overwhelmed because i'm someone when i see a lot of those posts and i think a lot of other people kind of related to the fact of like seeing those posts and how it was very restricting and almost just tried to make it seem like you have to be perfect all the time Like, I try to talk a lot about balance. I think, like, those two trends can really coexist. Like, I try to really during, like, my weekdays, like, take care of myself, like, work out, like, be healthy and balance those things out. But I think you can still be a healthy person and still go out on the weekend, still do things that made you happy. All these things can coexist together. What sets this apart from the concept of goblin mode? I guess it is similar in the way that, like, you just can go out, be crazy, do your thing. I don't even know the exact um, like definition or the exact like origin of of goblin mode. So where did that start? Or where did that come from? Oh, it was totally made up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, someone just made it. We we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Yeah. Someone just made up the phrase and people like absorbed it as it's like a they defined it as their own thing. I guess it is similar though, like going goblin mode. I when I think about like myself as like feral club rat, feral go summer, I kind of like take it into how I go about things. But again, I think it is like very individual, like how trends are. You kind of see how other people take it and then you can take it and make it your own and apply it to your own lifestyle. Like I've seen some people talk about um, being a feral feral club rat or feral girl summer in a way that I exactly like 100% talk about it, but it's all up to interpretation. Yeah. And I, like we all mentioned, you know, the, this term has, has kind of floated around in different, different ways, but it seems like a lot of people, it's really taken off this summer in particular, where it feels like a better summer than say like 
last summer where everyone kind of thought it was going to be like hot facts girl summer. What makes this summer the best possible summer to go feral? I think we're all on the same page as like, all right, we've been so cooped up. There's been so much going on in the world that I think we all deserve to remember that we're supposed to have fun. Like life is supposed to be fun. I think this is like a great opportunity. Summertime is to go out, make some memories, remember that everything doesn't have to be so serious every once in a while. I think we all like are so, can be so overwhelmed with our day-to-days and our jobs and other things going on. I think it's important to just kind of let loose and live your life, do something that makes you happy. So for me, that's like going to shows. Like I said, like I, I love house music. I go to see a lot of DJs and I have a lot of festivals and things planned out um, for the summer and the fall. And I think this is just a really good season to do things again, that like make you happy, do something for you. I made a video talking about, you know, take the time you're planning and like so caught up in life and all the logistical things of work appointments like take the time to actually do something that you've always wanted to do that makes you happy or try something new get a little feral run around the beach with the seltzer in your hands i don't know i'm a disney adult and when you said that i was thinking that maybe i should just spend all of my summer at various disney theme parks do you think that a disney adult can have a feral girl summer a hundred percent that's the thing it's not i talk a lot about like what i like to do like for my feral girl summer but i think for everyone it's different like again it's just so important like life goes by really fast and it's important to take the time to do the things that you've always wanted to do. Yeah. I don't know how familiar you were with like flea bag feminism or dissociative feminism that went viral. Uh, it was a meme like a couple years back, but it seems to some extent like the, like um, Feral Girl Summer is very similar in these types of aesthetics that are characterized by leaning into being a hot mess are largely embraced on TikTok by a very specific type of person, namely like hot middle class white women. Do you ever think about like whether there are inherently class or race implications to these types of tropes or these types of aesthetics? I actually definitely do. I probably should think more about like exactly how I talk about things and present themselves. But my biggest thing was when I started Feral Girl Summer and like Feral Club Rat to counteract to that the that girl movement, the clean girl aesthetic, because I was looking at that and I'm watching these what seems like these like perfectly aesthetically pleasing women who are using these products that are not accessible to basically anybody unless like you have the money to afford them and this like idealized version of someone who it's just like almost impossible for the normal person to be off of like income off of what's available to you like it's very difficult to you know be using a $500 Olaplex treatment in your hair and go to yoga classes and I was like okay I, I think like the feral club rat thing like I try to make jokes about like you wake up sometimes you look a little shitty sometimes you eat a little bit of McDonald's versus that idealized version of somebody but definitely there is stuff that like comes into play and like me being like a, a white woman and on social media who's portraying this type of thing I, I, I do try to make it something that's like more open to like other people and to everybody. And of course, with any sort of these like TikTok kind of niche trends, it's been it's taken on a life of its own. I mean, Hoda and Jenna talked about it on the Today Show and um, there have been think pieces about it where people have kind of trying to pick apart whether it's a like a toxic dating trend or something, you know. Yeah, whether Which it's is, like something different than what you it what it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It is. The Hoda and Jenna thing was act actually like so hilarious i had so many people <laughs> sending me that and they're like can is this is this your face like they put in the slideshow i'm like yeah 
I don't know. They didn't really email me or ask me about it. It just kind of ended up there. It is like so interesting to watch people's like different interpretations and try to like say things that are associated with it or like the implications or what it's like causing in society, like culturally. And I'm just kind of here like, I just did this to to tell people to have some fun and get a little feral. I guess to wrap up here, I, I mean, is your summer currently living up to your feral girl hopes and dreams? Honestly, it really has been. I, I just moved to um, D.C. in January and I kind of took the winter to make some new friends and get settled. And I got very lucky. I've met some great people here. I've gone to some great shows already. I'm going to Flume tonight, actually, which I'm really excited about. But it really, it has been living up to the expectations. And I hope it does for everyone else, too. Like, if everyone, it, it is the beginning of summer, still June, we got some time. But like I was saying, I feel like I keep repeating the same phrases. But take the time, do something that makes you happy. Like, whether it be, it's different for everyone. Like I said, like, I like going to my shows. Go to Disney. Do something that makes you happy. Like, life's too short, you know. There's so much going on in the world that is very heavy, is a lot. And it's it's good to take the time to remember that everyone deserves to be happy, to have fun, and to be surrounded by people that you love. DC seems like a difficult city to go feral in, <laughs> but I'm sure you can manage. Oh, please. If anyone is able to go feral in any city, it will be me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Molly. I feel very inspired to live my feral club rat dreams this summer. Same. As you should. Thank you, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Himbo of the Week, our segment where we talk about hot people being iconically dumb on the internet. A few weeks ago, our Himbo of the Week was a bird who sings improvisational jazz and in the grand tradition of electing a non-human himbo. Today, we have Sugar, a horse who's going viral on Twitter for being lazy. Obviously, a himbo quality we very much prize and respect here. You've seen this tweet, right? It was yes, of inescapable I have. the past two days. Yeah. It changed my life, yeah. <laughs> so Sugar is a horse. Reportedly a horse. Allegedly, <laughs> Allegedly a horse. A horse. <laughs> <laughs> Who went viral after user at Jim Rose Circus tweeted a pic of a beautiful chestnut horse lying down. We'll link to it in the show notes. By the way, if anyone looks sugar up at home, the first result you get is a news story about a guy who was arrested for having sex with a separate sugar of the horse. This is not the same sugar. I just want to make that clear. Not the same sugar. How do we know? At all. Different sugar. Well, I'll tell you how we know later. It'll okay. become clear how we know later. But this is like, I don't know if you have like a Google search results doppelganger, but like who's the, is there another Britney Spanos who like competes with your Google search results? Well, I mean, I don't know. I've, again, much like being in a group chat with me, I am the alpha of the Google results for Britney Spanos. And there <laughs> is another one who I was friends with on MySpace who is also half black and Greek. Last name Spanos is Greek. So I knew she was going to be Greek, but she's also half black, which is just like very funny. Oh, Wow. And she spells her name exactly the same way. She lives in New Jersey. And sometimes her dad accidentally emails me because, again, I have taken over the name. So it's much easier to... He thinks that her Gmail is my Gmail. There's no other EJ Dixon as far as I know, but my full name is Elizabeth Dixon. And there is another Elizabeth Dixon. And she's a British woman who campaigned on behalf of white slaves in the early 19th century, which seems very misguided. Like, why are you campaigning on behalf of like the handful of white slaves in Africa? Like, isn't there a different group of people, perhaps, that you should be advocating for? She's the original All Lives Matter bitch. She sucks. Okay, so, the, so sugar. 
Let's get back to sugar. The caption of the photo reads, Mead sugar. She doesn't like to be ridden. If sugar is approached with a saddle, she lies down and pretends to be asleep. Sugar refuses to open her eyes until the riders leave. This is funny because horses famously sleep standing up, which is actually not something I knew before like 10 minutes ago. But is I don't know if you knew it, as we've no, established many times. Girl. I'm not a, I'm neither a, a horse girl. And also we're bimbos who don't know anything like that's our brand. That's so. So let's just we'll just stick with that. Who am I to know how a horse sleeps? Who am I to tell a horse how to sleep? Exactly. That's their business. That's none of seems our like horse business. business and I'm not going to get involved. <laughs> People love this tweet. They were like, it me. It was like the ultimate identity share. Like when people share content because yeah. they, it like conveys a part of themselves. People were calling sugar their spirit animal, which is which pro- like we problematic that in itself. Years ago. Like I cannot yeah. believe that people still use that. Like, did you black out online for the last like five years? Like, how are you still using that term? I don't know. I blame Etsy. I blame everything on Etsy. It's This is Etsy's fault. It's still a very Etsy centric concept. And also like it reminds me of we were having a conversation in Slack today about how like Webster is going to add the word bussy to the dictionary. But yes. I don't even know if you pronounce it bussy or bussy. But I was like, how does anybody not know the word bussy at this point? Like, are you well, alive? I'm not going to get into the semantics of it, but people are confused about what the B in, in bussy stands for. What's confusing? The most self-explanatory <laughs> thing in the world. Well, people, oh, my uh, God. There's some people claim it's boy pussy. Some people claim it's butt pussy. Like, I don't everyone has a different definition. I've but it's still it. the same thing. <laughs> it still means the same thing. It's referring to the same. Yes. Thing. I mean, yes. Anyway, we're going off topic. OK. All right. So <laughs> every, everybody loves Sugar the Horse because she was lying down. That's why everybody, everybody was like, I love lying down, which like, yes, I get it. We stand a lazy queen. But unfortunately, as is the the case with so many of these stories and this is how I know it's not Sugar the Horse from South Carolina who the guy had sex with. The photo was fake or rather the context was inaccurate. It's not it's not a photo of Sugar. It's a stock photo from 2017 taken by a woman named Karen Arnold, which if we're talking about mistaken identity in Google search results is also the name of Olivia Dabo's character from The Wonder Years. And the caption on publicdomainpictures.net, which is where the photo is posted, is simply horse sleeping. It's not like it doesn't weave like a fabulous gossamer fantasy about a horse who'd rather like be comatose than let children ride her. Like there's no context beyond that. Karen Arnold gave us nothing and to be fair so did sugar that's why we stand her in the first place so also my theory is that she's dead in that picture no (laughs) i was kind of scared you're gonna say that the horse was dead and i like to not believe that i was like i like did i didn't read ahead in the script so i was like i don't want to find out find this out now because but you were like ej's ej's gonna say the horse is dead because she's like a very such a dark bitch (laughs) she's like a very ej fact to pull out which is just like that the horse is dead i don't want it to be dead i hope it's not i hope it just kind of fell yeah i hope it fell too okay clumsy queen like come on sugar the horse falling down not dead there's a (laughs) even if she was dead look i would still stand her because i respect that i stand being dead (laughs) i stand getting out of whatever reality we're currently living in being dead is a big sleigh (laughs) (laughs) the biggest sleigh possible The final sleigh, if you will. So congratulations to the final sleigh. (laughs) Sugar the horse. (laughs) Final slayer. Our himbo of the week. Not the one who had sex with a guy in South Carolina. The other one. (laughs) Hold on. You've been scrolling for way too long now. Maybe you should get some food, get some water, and then come back later. 
Thanks so much for listening to Don't Let This Flop. Please share this podcast with someone you love or someone you hate. Either way, we don't care which one. This podcast is brought to you by Rolling Stone and Cumulus Podcast Network, written and hosted by me, Britton Spanos, and EJ Dixon, executive produced by Jason Fine, Bridget Chelsea, and Elizabeth Garber-Paul, and produced by Jesse Cannon, with music by Brian DeMeglio. 